Welcome to Shelby Podcast, a production of Shelby Systems Media. And now here's your host, Don Olson. On today's show, we'll be talking with Bill Jim Davis, author, state senator, and Pearl Harbor survivor. He will be sharing with us his memories of this day, 66 years ago in Hawaii. This is a rare opportunity to hear an eyewitness account of the day that will live in infamy. Plus, Mr. Davis will tell us what we can do to help celebrate this day and to become more patriotic Americans. Thanks for joining us for a bonus edition of Shelby Podcast, providing tools, resources, and inspiration to help grow and maintain your ministry. And I just thought it was a nightmare, and then I saw this low-flying plane about treetop level, and he passed by the Helena, and he dipped his wings, and I could see that bright red ball on the wingtip, so I knew we were at war. That's today's special guest, Bill Jim Davis, who experienced the attack on Pearl Harbor 66 years ago today. He lived through that battle, went on to serve in the Navy during World War II, returned home victorious, started a family, began a vocation in the insurance industry, and then served his country again as a Tennessee state senator for two terms in the 1970s. Bill Jum is the only Pearl Harbor survivor left in Tipton County and one of the very few in the state of Tennessee. He helped establish a veterans memorial in Covington, Tennessee, and recently wrote a book describing his adventures entitled Abandoned Ship that will be published soon. In The Greatest Generation, Tom Brokaw writes, They came of age during the Great Depression and the Second World War and went on to build modern America, men and women whose everyday lives of duty, honor, achievement, and courage gave us the world we have today. I feel privileged to have been witness to their stories. We hope that you feel the same way after hearing the story that Bill Jim Davis has to tell today. Shelby Podcast is on the road today. We're in the home of Bill Jim and Helen Davis in Covington, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Bill Jim. Please tell us a little bit about your childhood and why you decided to join the U.S. Navy. See, I was born in uh, Memphis, but that was in 1920, and my dad was working for the railroad in Memphis. And when the Great Depression hit in 1930, uh, he lost his job, and we moved to a little community called Charleston between Covington and Stanton, and that's where I was really raised. My dad went in the grocery business, and I worked for him some, went to high school, and when I graduated, dad said, well, you can uh, either work with me in the store and maybe become a partner later on, and I didn't think at that time I wanted to do it, or he said, well, we could even consider going to college, but I knew that he couldn't afford to send us to college, so I thought, well, the best thing for me to do is to join the Navy, and after four years in the Navy, I knew then I could decide exactly what I wanted to do with my life, and that's where we were. Can you tell us briefly about your memories of December 7, 1941? I was assigned to the ship after recruit duty to uh, the USS Helena. It was a new ship in New York. They went out to South Pacific, and we were anchored at Pearl Harbor and went on training exercise during the week. On weekends, we were docked there at Pearl Harbor. And on December the 7th, it was just no other, no different than any other Sunday morning that we'd become accustomed to. A lot of the guys were getting ready to go ashore. Uh, my brother was aboard the Helen at this time, and he was getting ready to go ashore. But I was down below deck, and 7 o'clock I had 
breakfast and seven thirty. I was going to go up to the deck and uh, maybe buy me a Sunday paper. And after I bought the paper, everything seemed perfectly calm up there. And I went down below deck and I was getting ready to just lay down my bunk, which is three decks down below the main deck, to read the paper. And all of a sudden, the uh, general alarm sounded. The guys around me and myself too. I said, "What in this world going on here? Having a drill on Sunday morning? Never had happened before." And just about that time, there was this tremendous explosion, and it rattled an entire ship and knocked me to the floor. Well, I thought, well, maybe a powder magazine had blown up. So I, boy, we got in high gear and headed to our battle station. And my battle station was a midship just below the main deck. And I got up there, and men were coming and going in every direction. Some of them were burnt real bad, and I couldn't ask them what was going on. They didn't know either. So I went up to the t- main deck just above where I was stationed, and as I got up there, I could see smoke coming from all these ships around us, and I just thought it was a nightmare. And then I saw this low-flying plane about treetop level and passed by the Helena, and he dipped his wings, and I could see that bright red ball on the wingtip, so I knew we were at war. After the attack, was there the thought of a possibility of a second invasion? And what was your reaction and your thoughts that evening? After the attack, we thought, I thought, and everybody else that I was talking to thought, well, maybe there was an invasion involved. Oh, my goodness, we can't get up, get underway because the ship had been damaged, been torpedoed. Therefore, we might be a prisoner the rest of the war. And I just, I was really worried about it. And so it was really a hectic time. Did you have trouble sleeping that night? There was very little sleep going on that night. One particular incident happened that night we were up there uh, just thinking nothing was going on and four planes from the aircraft carrier Enterprise, I believe the name of it, it was coming in to land, and they'd already notified everybody there that they were going to land coming in, but apparently one of the gunners of beach didn't, uh, didn't get the message and he opened fire on the four planes and they were shot down. Bill Jim, I know you served aboard the USS Helena. Can you tell us about your service on that ship and then the day that it sunk and your experience with that? After Pearl Harbor, we were torpedoed and they sent us back to Vallejo, California, where it was repaired. We were there six months, and then they assigned us to the South Pacific Fleet Section. They were trying to stop the Japanese push from Philippines and down that way towards Australia. So the main part of the Pacific Fleet at that time trying to stop their advance. And the Helena was in several battles then. We were up there trying to stop a group of Japanese destroyers who were delivering troops to Guadalcanal. And we got in this battle with them, and these destroyers launched some torpedoes, and Helena was hit with three torpedoes. The first torpedo knocked 120 foot of the bow. Where my battle station was, I felt that thump, just like a bump in the road that you hit with a car. After that, I didn't know what was going on other than I thought, well, maybe just something minor. But then a short time later, we were hit by two more. And then the ship started to listing towards the starboard side and then men started coming up from the down below decks and we were supposed to receive orders to abandon ship they say that we were just waiting there and an engineering officer came by and told us that we better abandon ship said then got received orders but it looked like the ship was going to sink so we went up on the top deck there and you could see hundreds of sailors in the water because Helena had nearly 800 men on it and a number of them were out there in the water and we had these flashlights that were shorted when you had them on your May West jackets. They were shorted out, and you could see them in the water. But I thought when there, for a minute there that maybe the ship was going to float. We were leaning towards the starboard side. Normally the water was about 15, 20 feet below, but actually we had tilted so far to the starboard that it was only about 8 or 10 feet. Anyway, I thought with uh, about another 15, 20 men on board, the rest of them jumped off, that maybe the ship was going to float, and I'd just rather stay there on the dry deck there than get out in that water. 
But then I started hearing these beams started cracking and popping. Well, I knew then that that second section was going to separate from the first section, and I'd better get off. So I jumped into the water. But just before I did, I happened to remember that I hadn't inflated my jacket. And in those days, we had inflatable jackets. So I blowed it up. Then I just stepped off into the water, and I started swimming towards one of the life rafts. Well, I'd been swimming there for a little while, and I noticed that I hadn't got away from that ship. That thing was pulling me back, and I remembered then that looking and seeing similar situations happen, that there's a suction of water that's pulled when a ship is sinking. I said, oh my goodness, if I panicked, it was almost then. But I noticed that I had, when my swimming, that I was about 8 to 10 feet further back from where I jumped off in the water. So I knew the best thing for me to do was go with the current of the ocean. So I swam with the current of the ocean and got away and got on a life raft. And in a short time, while we was there, about two or three hours, American destroyer came along, we climbed aboard and were rescued. America went through a patriotic resurgence following 9-11 that seems somewhat faded today. What can the average person do to help revive the spirit of togetherness and patriotism in their community and in our country as a whole? Well, this is the usual reaction when there's something like 9-11 happened. There's uh, an upsurge of patriotism, and then it just kind of levels off, and people get, well, they, they don't fly the flag, as you recall. It seemed like everybody had a flag on their car or on their house, but they uh, now you see very few of them. As time goes on, they get back to the old routine, and they forget about the losses and the sacrifices that were made by so many people so that they could enjoy and do what they wanted to do as they do today. And in conclusion, is there anything that you would like to say to the young people of America today? Well, the main thing I think they need to remember that the only way that we can enjoy this freedom that we have and they have, that they need to remember that it may be become a time that they be called upon to sacrifice to maintain this freedom for future generations. And I hope they'll be prepared to make that decision, to do whatever is necessary to make sure that the future generations enjoy the freedom we do today. Thanks for joining us today, Bill Jim. Bill Jim Davis is one among many of this country's living treasures, people who have lived a life of service and integrity and whose legacies light the path for those who follow. If you enjoyed today's program, please tell your friends, co-workers, and families to listen in. And if you would like to experience the stories of other Pearl Harbor survivors, just visit the Pearl Harbor Survivors Project website at pearlharborstories.org. Don't miss our next program where we will be talking with Mark White about Shelby's browser-based arena program. Before we go, here is our inspirational quote for the day. It comes from John 15:13. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You've been listening to Shelby Podcast with your host, Don Alsop. Shelby Podcast is produced by Shelby Systems Media and can be heard online at shelbyinc.com slash podcast or you can download the program, copy it to your iPod or MP3 player, and listen at your convenience. Make sure you click the RSS link so that you get each new show automatically. Shelby Podcast is now available on iTunes. We want to hear from you. Please send your comments, questions, or suggestions to shelbypodcast at shelbyinc.com. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for another Shelby Podcast.